There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. This is when I go into baseball nerd mode. Some people really like it. Some people don't like it. I, I don't know. If you don't like baseball nerddom, this podcast at this moment probably won't be for you. Derek Gould and I uh, talking it over regarding the Cardinals, what just took place here over the last, really over the, the weekend and some strategic decisions. Um, and then also thinking ahead to what to do in the series against the Braves. And I don't know about you, Gangster Pete, but first, I, some people really love when Derek and I go into full baseball nerd mode, but he had his answer to a variety of these questions that I posed surprised me. But then as he laid it out, I kind of go, oh, I see what he's saying on on the rotation and also on what the Cardinals might do with the lineup. What about you? Uh, yeah, I always list, love listening to Derek talk because you know it's a well-thought-out oh, answer. Yeah. Like, he's thought of all the different variables, so... I always look forward to it. And he kind of agreed with what I said about the pitching, maybe holding back Flaherty. He didn't say he necessarily agreed, but he, he saw the other he side. He saw the of points it, that right. I was thinking of. Yeah, the th and, and we that that's where we started actually. So you'll get to hear that right out of the gate as to whether because I know that was something that Cardinal fans were debating whether or not Jack Flaherty should have started in the final game against the Cubs. Um, and I give my counter to it uh, as Der after Derek uh, presents his reasoning. Not that he was saying one or the other, but he just said you can see the other side of it. My whole thing is if Flaherty. Uh, has to pitch if there were a, uh, the one game 163 or the wild card game, then Flaherty can only pitch one game against the Braves. That's been, been to me that that's what you lose. But you'll hear Derek's reasoning. Also, the Cardinal rotation against the Braves. I think this is going to surprise people in a big way. And then the Cardinal lineup on Sunday on Thursday, excuse me, uh, against Dallas Keuchel. Not that we know he's the starter. He is expected to be the game one starter for the Braves. And and what Derek's thoughts are on that, in addition to uh, the National League playoff picture, and uh, and who he thinks is a team that is flying under the radar, and uh, and who he thinks is a favorite. So we get all of those perspectives from Derek Gould as we go into full baseball nerddom here on the Tim McKernan Show. Derek is on the phone lines. He's presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. I am in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly, our sponsor of the studios. He is the home loan expert. If you're buying a home or if you're refinancing home, you just go to the homeloanexpert.com. And there it is. You have a couple tabs you can click. And right away, you get to see what the word is from Ryan Kelly. And you can save money. Interest rates low, home values high, capitalize on it with a cash out refi. Or if you want to be able to buy a home being pre-approved by Ryan Kelly, that gives you a great advantage on the competition. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. So Derek and I get into it all here regarding the Cardinals, what just took place. Also the trade deadline, that's something we're on the same page on uh, and that what wound up happening doesn't necessarily vindicate that. Uh, and then also uh, how we see things playing out here uh, with the Cardinals strategies and what they will do in this series against the Braves. I mean, there are all kinds of different angles that I hadn't, I haven't seen discussed. I'm sure some people have, don't get me wrong. Um, but, uh, I enjoyed the conversation. I was like talking it over with Derek. Now I want to make this clear. I'm sure a lot of you are going, Hey, I want to hear what Derek has to say about a story that's got national attention. And that is 
Derek performing CPR on a, a photographer in St. Louis as Joe Madden and Theo Epstein were about to do their press conference announcing that they were no longer going to be in business together. And so people know, uh, Derek requested that we do not talk about it on the podcast because he does not want to comment on it until he knows that the gentleman is going to be okay. He just feels like that's the right thing to do. So uh, further uh, gesture of Derek being honorable, not only, you know, the the good Samaritan uh, that he was in performing CPR in, in what truly did save the man's life, according to doctors, but also he doesn't want to, you know, talk about it until he knows that the gentleman is going to be okay. He is in the hospital and he is in stable condition. That is what we have been told as of this morning. So um, that is uh, the reason for that, just as an FYI, because I'm sure some of you want to hear what Derek has to say about that. And Derek made it clear he does not want to discuss it until he knows that everything is going to be okay. All right. So with that all said, Derek Gould and I talking it over about the Cardinals, the playoff strategy, just baseball nerding out here on the Tim McKernan Show. Derek, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Derek Gould with us. So, Derek, I want to I go strategically and get your opinion on this because I, I really do, when it gets down to it, I feel like it's almost like the answer key. Like I get to flip to the back of the book and see what you think. I was surprised that it was being debated on Saturday night and to an extent Sunday morning as to whether or not the Cardinals should start Jack Flaherty. I thought that was, considering what had happened with the Brewers and the Rockies on Saturday night and the Cardinals losing, that I thought it was a no-brainer to go with Jack Flaherty. What did you think? I did not think it was a no-brainer um, for this reason. One, you had you had Miles Michaelis, who is paid handsomely to be a reliable starter for you and was the opening day starter and has pitched better than his record would indicate and has been demonstrably better at home, as have a lot of the Cardinals, um, and that there were a lot of indicators that, look, if you want to have – Jack Flaherty for a game that means everything, which I think we could agree Sunday did not mean everything. They weren't going to get eliminated. They had um, at least even with the Brewers loss, whichever story's home run, they had clinched at worst a tiebreaker Monday. And that would mean everything, um, you know, to avoid the, because then you're in the same spot, right? Like if you hold Jack Flaherty for the possible tiebreaker Monday, he can't start until, you know, I guess, I guess this keeps him alive for game two, but he would only start twice in the series anyway. And if you pitch him on Sunday, then you're in that same spot. But if you go, all right, Michaelis pitches Sunday, then you have Jack Flaherty for either game one or for the tiebreaker and you haven't lost anything but you've gained a game one. So I thought it was debatable, um, especially when it was pretty clear that the Cubs were going to put out what they call a glorified spring training lineup. Um, you know, I mean, at some point in time, you got to beat the, the, the Cubs bench, right? And you got to do it with everybody you have on your varsity team. So I, I thought it was debatable. I, I'm, I'm, it sounds like I'm arguing the counterpoint. Um, I saw both sides of it, to be candid. But I, but I thought at least it could be debated that because what have you lost if you hold Flaherty back for the possible tiebreaker versus what have you gained? Okay, so that that's where I guess I I, I don't follow 100% because if you do hold Flaherty back and you do have to use him and on Monday, at that right. point he can only pitch one time in the NLDS. You could get two. One would be on short rest. Okay. Yes. 
Yeah. All right. If, if you, that okay, so then that's what you lose is short rest. But welcome to the playoffs. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious. You know, we saw Carpenter do that, and I that, always that's say a that fair that, argument. I saw Carpenter do it in two. We we saw I not me. We all saw Carpenter do it in 2011, and he said because I didn't like them doing it at that time. It was it was relatively speaking uncommon. Now, as you're making reference in 2019, we'll see it plenty, and we've seen it a lot over the last few years. But he started, if I'm not mistaken, on short rest game two against That's Cliff, against Cliff Lee, uh, mm-hmm. and the Cardinals wound, wound up winning the game. He wasn't great, but he said because he got that experience that it helped him know how his arm was going to feel and how he would be able to approach his Game 7 start in the World Series because he had done exactly. it three weeks earlier. Yep. I would also contend that 2011 starting pitching and 2019 starting pitching is drastically different. Oh, my goodness, yes. Let's be candid about asking these starters to go on short rest in 2019 is really asking them to give four innings. Yeah, because guys just don't do the same. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I thought you were talking about the 2011 Cardinal rotation, which was... Well, uh, that's true, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That was uh, Edwin Jackson, Kyle Loesch, and Jaime Garcia, along with Chris Carpenter. Yeah, but you have Jack Flaherty on short rest in a game five, and the Cardinals have the lead, and Jack Flaherty's at, you know, got a no-hitter going through five innings, and he's got 80 pitches to do it. And you're like, oh, this is kind of... Now he's got a third time through the lineup here with Freddie Freeman coming up. And you know what? Bullpen time. I, you know, I mean, that's that's how this game is played now. Andy Van Slyke popped into our studio out of, of absolutely nowhere today. It was fine. Uh, it was interesting, as always. Exciting. You know, he's, 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 he's well, he's, he works out at the gym next door. Uh, and, and I hadn't noticed in all those commercials. <laughs> yeah, my out. God, seemingly he, he has a, he subleases it. But uh, he, he, <laughs> he, he just popped in, and he said he'd still consider starting Flaherty on, on Thursday in game one. Do you think that's even in play? Yeah. I don't get that sense. Um, you know, I think, 69 uh, I pitches I'm, for those who weren't aware of, of what he did yesterday. Right. Yeah. 69 pitches. So a uh, breezy day at the ballpark, <laughs> seven shutout innings on 69 pitches. That's uh that's almost a Maddox, um, two innings shy of a Maddox, right? Yeah. Actually two innings shy of a Hendricks, I guess is what we would, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you discuss it, but again, what do you gain? What, what, what do you gain? What do you lose? Um, do you gain three starts from him in the division series? Probably not. Um, but you could, I guess you could on a short rest. Again, you could, you could push that, but you get him game two on full rest and then game five on full rest. Right. So, you know, it's, I mean, that's, you know, I'm just trying to illustrate like both sides of it. Like, what, what do you what do you gain? And you do have Miles Michaelis. I don't. I think that there's this sense that the Cardinals have Jack Flaherty, and then uh, you know no one else can name any of the other monkeys, right? Like you know, it's like oh, it's Michael Nesmith, or you know, but I can't name the other guys. But this pretty good group, you know, it's they've got a pretty good boy band for a rotation right now with Hudson and. You know, Wainwright and Michaelis. And Michaelis is pitched better than the – if you look just at the record, it's just off. Yeah. Um, it just it doesn't feel right. Hudson and Wainwright have been very good at home. So how much do you want to play that up? Um, especially Wainwright has been exceptional at home. Um, and, and his day-night splits are uh, overwhelming. I don't know what to read into that outside of that that is what the data shows us. 
I think it's because his curveball starts above the equ- uh, the horizon and then plunges down. Oh, I like that theory because we're trying to figure out what the deal with that was. So, therefore, am I reading into this properly? And that if you, you think- were to pitch in Australia, it would go backwards. It would go counterclockwise. Man, this is, we're learning a lot of things here in this <laughs> podcast. So, therefore, I'm deducing right. that you think that Michaelis is who's going to get the ball in game one? I think that's how they have it set up. Um, I asked Schilt that directly. Um, in the haze of the champagne mm-hmm. celebration. Um, he did not rule it out. He also didn't rule out that he has a cast of thousands to choose from. But um, but going into this weekend, I asked him, I'm like, so you arrive at this, basically what could have been a parade of elimination games, for lack of a better placement. It was all seeding, right? Mm-hmm. But um, they arrive at this, uh, this run of what could be essential games, tiebreaker, wild card, game one. And, um, and then Sunday, of course, for the division title. And they had ready and willing to, in order, use the guy who won Pitcher of the Month in August and is likely going to win Pitcher of the Month in September. So the best second-half pitcher, you know, one, of the, one of the best second-half performances in baseball history, you have him available or you have your opening day starter available. And that's what Wainwright starting Saturday did for them. Mm-hmm. That's, and it also gave them the ceremony of him possibly making his last start at Bush. So that see that's one of those things where it's like all wins, right? Like there is no part of the ledger where you're low, where you go, well, that's that we're giving something to get something. You're getting a bunch, and so if you if you go through that exercise to get Flaherty and Michaels available to you for that run of games, then wouldn't it indicate that? whatever game Flaherty didn't start, the next most important one, Michaelis would. Regarding uh, Dakota Hudson, uh, looking at his home road splits, uh, 2.75 ERA at home in uh, 17 starts and a 4.13 ERA on the road in 15 starts. Uh, really nothing discernible day night. I, this is this is incredibly small sample size theater, but it, it but it sticks out to me because he did pitch well on Friday night. The, it was the the debacle of an inning after he was out of the game that cost them that yeah. game. But yeah. but his start against the Cubs, where it, I think you might have been watching it in the press box, going, "Oh my God, he might not get out of the first inning." Um, yeah, Wrigley. Yeah, at Wrigley. That stood out to me. It was a big stage, and he obviously was off. Now, I don't know if that was because of the big stage or it just was an outlier, and I just wonder about that. I don't know if it's in the Cardinals' minds at all to keep him away from the big stage on the road. Um, mm. What do you think happened in that start? And, and and don't get me wrong. He obviously righted the ship to, to last just as long as Quintana did, actually, in that yeah. thing. Um, but yeah. just, just curiously what, what you thought was going on there. And I don't know if it's sometimes if it's an umpire who won't give him that sinker, I don't know what, what, what took place there. Oh, that, that was definitely part of it. Um, that's a good, good thing that you brought that up. I, I would have misremembered or miss, I would have missed saying that. And that's a good point. Um, I think also, you know, it's tricky. Uh, a couple of things on, on it regarding Dakota Hudson. Um, he's a sinker baller, classic sinker baller in all ways. And you look at what he was like at the beginning of the year and how, he came out of the gates and was kind of searching and feeling for it. Not too unusual for a sinker baller. Some of these guys say, you know, for them to really get control of that sinker ball, um, they got to have a little bit of a tired arm. They can't have a whole lot of life yep. in their arm because then they're throwing it hard yep. and straight. Um, that was the Russus thing on Jay. This is random. You were covering the mm-hmm. team in 04, right? Yeah. And I remember and going Jason to Jason Marquis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I remember going into LaRusse's office. It was just me and him, no cameras or anything. I was doing TV at the time. And I said, so who are you going with with game one? And he goes, who do you think I ought to go with? And I'm like, oh, here we go. This is going to be great. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And I go, and I don't even know who I thought at the time, because if you remember, Carpenter had gotten hurt, so they had Woody Williams, Matt Morris, Supon, and Marquis. Matt Morris was hurt, too. Yeah, he was kind he of was on pitching hurt. He was on fumes. And he goes, I'll tell you what, take a look at Jason Marquis starts on three days of rest versus four days or more. And oh, go- yeah. And, and he goes, that sinker ball is effective. And so Marquis actually started game one of the NLDS against the Dodgers. This is absolutely obscure as hell, 15 years old. But it goes back to what you're talking about with sinker ballers. And Wait, you were 15 years old? I was 15 years old. Yep, that's You didn't what- look a day over 18. <laughs> that's exactly right. I still had my hair then. It was a wonderful time. Those were the salad <laughs> days. Yeah, yeah, that's a good phrase. Yeah. Uh, but Hudson is that type of pitcher, right? And I think... There are times you've seen him um, airs, uh, uh, at altitude or when it's a dry day or something like that, and he's constantly trying to get moisture on his fingers, trying to manipulate the, uh, you know, to get the movement on the pitches. But there is also times where, you know, adrenaline or newness to the season or whatever. Um, with Marquis, um, he just wanted to prove he could throw other pitches. He could throw hard. Mm. He could light up the radar gun, and it would straighten out. Um in Hudson's case, he loves the sinker baller. He knows he's a sinker baller. He also knows he has a power sinker, which is a lot different than, say, the Joel Pinheiro days. You know, some of those sinkers that Dave Duncan craved. This is one that goes 94, 95, 96, 98, um, and with movement. So Hudson is, uh, is a thoroughly modern sinker baller, but that doesn't change the fact that if he throws hard and, you know, and has great life, then the the pitch is either too um, firm or the pitch moves too much, and he has to dial it back in. I think we saw that at Wrigley where it's like, oh, well, this is the movement I got on it today, or this is the adrenaline that's driving me today, or this is you know how firm I'm throwing it. Well, I better adjust. And Dakota Hudson of September adjusts. Dakota Hudson of April isn't equipped with how to adjust because yeah. he's never experienced it before. And we have seen in real time, um, a remarkable evolution of a starter who called his shots. I remember talking to him in April, and he said, every time out there is a chance for me to learn regardless of what the results were. And if I'm not improving for the next one, if I just settle because I just threw a quality start, and I'm like, oh, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. If I don't get better every time out, then I'm not taking advantage of this. This is my year to learn. And what a year. I mean, he's going to get some rookie of the year votes probably, um, you know, so, and then the other part of it that I want to add is, you know, back in the back of their mind, the Cardinals see him as a remarkable weapon to have out of the bullpen. I was going to ask about him in the bullpen. So, you know, you look at, okay. So the other night, um, what was it? Friday night, um, Friday night, Michaelis was available in relief. Uh, you know, if needed, and it was, he wasn't needed, but but he was available. He was going to handle innings. Um, they they were set to do that, and that was also part of this decision this this weekend, uh, how to approach that. Michaelis would have been available. Um, and you look at okay, well, how could they approach this with a division series where they're going to have Hudson on the roster? They know that they don't want to get to Game Three which may not be his start. could be Wainwright's start, right? I was going to they ask definitely that don't too. Get, yep. they, they don't want to go three games without Hudson throwing a pitch if he's needed, and they'd love to you know, have some kind of ability there to use him, spot him, and then adjust as the series tells them. If you're going to go into a C series with four starters, but you know you may not get to use one, wouldn't that be Hudson 
because then he's available to relieve. I was, one. I mean, that, that was my next two. question. If Hudson would be following up Michaelis in game one, that's how that's, that is an idea that they, I mean, this is, goes back several weeks, months, but just as I was talking to the Cardinals and people who make this decision um, about what, actually it even goes back to July because, and I think some of it went public too. I mean, there were, there were press conferences where Mo would challenge me on this notion that they needed a starter, right? I mean, then you think back to the trade deadline. Yeah. Well, they did. Um, I know that they all things are right. They're in the playoffs and everything like that. But that doesn't prove it wrong that they needed a starter. But the question at the time was, okay, how do you make a perceptible upgrade when you're thinking about a playoff roster? Think in those terms. And as they mapped out who they had and who they wanted to have, you know, the, the thought was, well, if you go get a third starter, then th- that replaces Wainwright because Hudson is this X factor mm-hmm. that they can use in a lot of different ways. You know, a new starter would not replace Hudson because there's already a role for Hudson. Got it. So you think there is a chance that Wainwright gets the ball on Sunday game in three. game three? Yeah, yeah. Hope you're enjoying the conversation with Derek Gould here on the Tim McKernan Show. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. I say it over and I say it over and I say it over again. Uh, if you want to make sure that you are on the right track, give Mark Hanna a call. Go to evergreenstl.com. He is a good guy who is going to get you on the right track. And you will be way better off and you will feel better after you've made that phone call or after you've gone to Evergreen stl.com. I can tell you that with a great sense of confidence because once you have a financial advisor, you feel like you've taken the first step. My analogy is, you know, you want to get in better shape, just going and signing up at the gym. You feel like you've taken the first step and psychologically it puts you on the right path. You're breaking through doing that thing that you might not want to do. That's what doing this with Mark Hanna will do for you. Evergreen stl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. He's online at carltoninsurance.net. I was so impressed with James Carlton that I personally made the switch to James Carlton. And he was an advertiser who I was talking about, but then I, I got to know and then had an issue with my insurance guy. I go, you know, why wouldn't we just switch to James Carlton? And we did. And we're so grateful that we did. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. He is based right in St. Louis. He's on Webster Groves. And he keeps growing his staff because his business keeps growing because people are making the switch. And they're finding out there really is a difference between James Carlton and everybody else. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. James Carlton is his name. He's in Webster Groves. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Now. Back to Derek Gould. Elaborate on your reasoning for that. He's available. He's pitched well at home. Um, you know, obviously. Do you think they has, factor in if it's a day or night game at all? I don't. Okay. I don't. I, I, you know what? I, I Maybe I'm wrong on this, and it's entirely. I know we. I was saying it earlier, tongue-in-cheek, about the curveball, but um, that's a podcast, so people probably couldn't tell that it was tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know what? I, I don't know what to do with day-night splits because I call it, you know, I don't call it this, but Mark Mulder taught me a lot about that, right? Mark Mulder had a year, and I don't remember the exact number, but it was, like, absurd, right? Like, he was unbeaten during the day and was not as good at night. And it's like, well, we only know that because of the fluke of the calendar that puts all of his starts it wasn't like you script that, right? It's not like you know. Right. In, in the, I mean, these days you don't know 
in mid-July that a day game on Sunday is going to be picked up by ESPN two weeks ahead of time, and now it's a night game. Now you're like, oh, well, now this guy can't pitch in the night. You know, I, I think they're – I don't know what to do with them. I don't want to dismiss them, but I just don't know what to do with them. Is it is it sleep? Is it habits? Is it Do they race? I mean, there's a lot of things that could go into that. Um, you know, Jeff Supon would talk about how if he had – a day start or a night start, it really didn't matter because his sole schedule or the priority of his schedule was not getting a good night's rest the night before a start. It was getting a good night's rest the night before the night before a start. He said, because that's the only time I'm able to relax and get deep sleep. And that's when I need it most. And that's when I need my most sleep because I'll be agitated, whether it's a day game or a night game that, you know, I'll start, preparing for that start it'll be on my mind the, the adrenaline will start kicking in the the got to get ready for the start we're kicking in the night before so i better get my rest the night before that so you know maybe he had found a way to to approach that that worked for him and other guys don't i don't know there's just a lot of variables there that to me i have a hard time putting a whole lot of stock in the day night splits um whereas home road more tangible to me, more, more tangible, meaning like this guy knows how to pitch to that ballpark. Yeah. You know, I mean, what Wainwright has 316 starts in his career, 160 appearances in at Bush stadium, you know, that's a pitcher ballpark. He knows how to, he knows how to handle it. Yeah. I know, you know what? I'm looking at his three year splits. I'm just browsing through these as we have the conversation regarding splits. He's got a 5.19 ER during the day over his last three, from 16 through 18, I should say. So this does not include 19 in 22 games started, and then a 4.56 ERA uh, in 42 starts at night. I I wonder also. I give value to the shadow thing and the three o'clock starts at Bush Stadium mm-hmm. that we see during That's the fair. then the NLDS. I and I'm trying to just do it from memory, Derek. Wainwright, I know, pitched in game one of the 2012 NLDS against the Nationals. I think it was him and Gio Gonzalez. And and it was just like yeah. it was like a two-hour game. Nobody could hit anything, and Wainwright won that game. Or no, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't because game one would have been on the road. Game Or maybe it was. I don't know what the hell it was because no, that was no, when the schedule was, different. It was at St. Louis. That it, was, it was one year that it wasn't. 2-3, that it was 2-3. Two, two at mm-hmm. home and then three on the road. That's correct. Uh, so that's yeah, you're right. The, with the lower year. seed had the home the, field The first first. two, yeah, super weird. And the, and Wainwright yeah. started that, and the Cardinals won that one. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know if that factors in with the breaking ball. We saw what he did against Scherzer a couple weeks ago. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I don't know. I just was curious if there's anything anything that you give credence to it. And like you said, it's it's tough to figure it out as to whether yeah. or not there's I'm going to side more with the home road than anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, his home ERA, his home performances, how he pitches at home, how he pitches just in general, um, plays well to the to the Bush Stadium ballpark and shadows help. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know, he, he has a changeup. He has a fastball that he tries to, you know, that he can give off the perception it's faster than it is, its movement is different than it is, and shadows are going to help that. Anything you can do to del- – anything you do to delay the timing speeds up your pitches. So, so a 90 looks like an, I don't know, yeah. four. Yeah, there, there may be something to explaining this. All right, let me let me ask about this, because because I think when you compartmentalize the discussion on the trade deadline, I'm with you 100%. Just because the Cardinals got in does not mean that the decision to not acquire a starter on July 31st means it's the right one. And I know sometimes that's mm-hmm. counterintuitive 
to the way that many understandably think with a results-oriented mindset. I would argue that one of the reasons we've seen the Cardinals' bullpen flame out here over the last month or so is because they've been pressured into more uh, innings because the rotation, in particular, the one spot, flamed out. Now you see the bullpen on on what seems to be fumes heading into this series. Now they'll get a few days off. How do you view the Cardinal bullpen? And then to take it the next step, the follow-up would be in the Cardinal bullpen comparing to the Braves bullpen. Yeah, um, the follow-up is is my research today. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to really do a crash course on the Braves and understand them better. I think, you know, the, just to work backwards, you know, the Braves did – you, this brings us back to the trade deadline. They reworked their bullpen and uh, and fortified it, and I think um, made it more nimble at the trade deadline. So I think um, it it has it was able to the Braves were able to accomplish the trade deadline what the Cardinals already had in the bullpen. Um, now where they are at this moment, um, I want to take a, a kind of a deeper look at how the Braves. We've seen operate with the strong revamped bullpen in the regular season. What that means for them in the playoffs, because what we saw with the Cardinals, and I, I don't think you can discount how they approach the bullpen at times. Um, you know, Gallegos was he as dominant in the second half or in this final month as he was as the best reliever in baseball, arguably there for four months. No, um, there was some fraying there, but not terrible. I mean, just just like. He just went from being impossible to do anything against to slightly less impossible mm-hmm. to do stuff against. A couple home runs. You know, Gant, um, Gant has a walk issue. Um, but that's not a shock. That's part of why he wasn't a starter is he had a walk issue. Um, so Gant became Gant. Um, and, you know, the win-loss record was uh, as much opportunity as well as pitching well. Um, and I thought we really saw his role – um, reduced, or um, certainly the leverage that he pitched in reduced. I think one of the things that stood out to me, and this does dovetail with your description of them not adding a starter to him, is you know we we saw them really want to get multiple innings from Ryan Helsley and putting Ryan Helsley out there to audition for that role. They would like to have his power in the postseason bullpen. They they want that, and there were times where you saw um, learning curves from him. Same with Genesis Cabrera. Having a lefty like that in the, in the postseason bullpen, especially if they had a wild card game against the Washington, for example, yeah. ooh goodness, um, that that guy is lightning in a bottle, and I would not be shocked at all if he is some presence in the in the postseason at some point in time. But they also spent time learning what that could be, right? And they had to do that, and I think you saw some fraying, um, some splintering of the bullpen. Um, around them learning where these guys could fit. And that, that, that was because those were the tools they had at the time, but it was also what they had to get. They had to figure out. They need to know what Helsley's going to bring. They need to know if Junior Fernandez pitching backwards is going to help them in any way. Mm-hmm. They need to see Genesis Cabrera um, and what he does, not just against lefties, but when somebody throws up a right-handed pinch hitter and he goes two innings. We saw moments like that um, that a few times, you know, capsized them, to be candid. Um, we did not see Daniel Ponce de Leon at all, which is a shocker to me. Um, I mean, we never, never – I mean, he has high pitch counts. Um, he sometimes gets in trouble and then has to get out of it. But 
he's pitched well enough for them to start him against what Houston. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he pitched well enough yeah, to start serious, yeah. four times in the rotation. He's not good enough to maybe do the role that they had for Helsley, or at least to get a look for it. Um, I, I think I think we saw some things with the bullpen that can be explained by their search for guys who can handle roles that have more prominence in the postseason, and that that may they they may find out that they don't have those guys, um, or they may have learned that already. And we'll see how they adjust. Andrew Miller, star of the yes. 2016 postseason. I'm going into this one feeling like inevitably we're going to be going, oh, God, no, not Andrew Miller. That's that's how I felt when I saw him really? brought in to face Tony Kemp on Saturday night. How do you view what's going on with Andrew Miller? I think Andrew Miller is essential to who the Cardinals want to be and what they do this month. Um, I don't, I have not yet seen anyone who can do what he does when he's at whatever, 80% yeah. best. I mean, if he's at 100% best, he's the best reliever in baseball from the left side. Um, uh, I should say, I guess, second to Chapman. Yeah. Because um, doesn't Chapman still have, like, a no-hitter going against the Cardinals <laughs> 10 years now or <laughs> something does. like that? Um, but, you know, I mean, Miller is he's, he's ferocious when he's on at his best. When he's less than his best, he can still be really good. Um, he can still tie um, teams and not when he's off, he's walking batters, he's hitting batters. It's just, a, um, it's an odd thing. And he had a, he had a, he's had stretches a month, month and a half, um, where he was really good. Then when they really needed him to be really good, um, he was excellent for that week, week and a half run where they took hold of the division and they built up the cushion that then fell up, you know, fell apart on him. Um, mm-hmm. but the loss in, Arizona, which yeah, he pitched in and the 19 anything, and he um, you know, and then the the two losses to the Cubs over the weekend at Bush Stadium, um, which he also appeared in. So I think you, uh, you, you the Cardinals have to continue to use him in the role they signed him for, and he's got to correct himself. Um, he's a he's a veteran who knows what he has to do. Um, there's a lot of reasons for why he's been so inconsistent. Um, some of them you go, well, that, that won't be around next year. So, Hey, that's positive for the Cardinals. because He'll be back. Um, some of them you go, well, is he, you know, does he just not have the same alacrity velocity on his pitches? And does he have to learn how to pitch a little differently because he can't just overpower somebody and that that's comes with age. Um, all that stuff is in play. It doesn't change the fact that what's the alternative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, how much faith do they have in Tyler Webb? Right, but different style of pitcher, though. And mm-hmm. that, that actually should be a strength, and that brings us back to Cabrera. You know, if they have three lefties like those guys who can show what Webb throws in the say, – say Freddie Freeman, right? Okay, so you're game three at Bush Stadium, Freddie Freeman. You could, you could give Freddie Freeman three different looks. I'm sorry, four different looks in that game. You could have Wainwright off his curveball the first time through. Genesis Cabrera with a 98-mile-an-hour sinker that seems like it's coming from at your ear um, second time through. Tyler Webb with his you know off-speed breaking ball mess with your timing thing after you've just seen 98 and then come back with the game on the line. And there's Andrew Miller with a pitch that looks like the first baseman threw it. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, imagine they could they could do that. That could be a strength. They they could do four different looks on Freddie Freeman in one game mm. if they choose to go that way. And each one would benefit from the other. Tyler Webb would benefit by being an absolute change of pace if he executes his breaking pitch, right? And or spots up that fastball, which he's done really well. See, like quietly, he's been really good here for a stretch, especially in those middle innings when called on with a lead, which is a new role for him. Um, you know, and then and then you have Andrew Miller, and again, it comes down to it will be inevitable. You just can't avoid the importance of his role, and the Cardinals shouldn't. They just need him to execute. A couple quick hitters before I uh, before I let you go, uh, Derek. Uh, is is it fair to say that Colton Wong is at second base on Thursday, and Tommy Edmond no. is at third base? It is, not. it is not. You cut out briefly at the, the critical it moment. It is not. It is not. Not not. Okay. And what is the, because Colton Wong might not be ready or they might sure. go with Matt Carpenter? Because uh, Wong might not be ready, first okay. and foremost. And second, they might go with Matt Carpenter at third. Um, that does not mean Tommy Edmond would not be in the lineup. Oh, my goodness. Does that mean Dexter Fowler's in center and Tommy Edmond's in right? If you look at SunTrust Ballpark, what would you do? I don't know SunTrust exactly Ballpark like it sounds field. like you do. I, I SunTrust Ballpark to me, I, I don't know any anything stands Bandbox. up. Bandbox. Yeah. And so there's no need to have Harrison Bader's defense in there relative to say if they were playing and take your pick of like a Coors Field or something. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I follow you. Struggling. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at what that outfield has done. Um, it, you that's one possibility. Some of it may be based on who's pitching too. You like, expect uh, it to be Keuchel, right? Yeah, 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 and so you you take that into consideration. I don't know. I kind of, I don't know. I kind of, kind of think Matt Carpenter against Dallas Keuchel. Maybe this is going to be held against me sometime. That might be a matchup you want. Keuchel and Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. Cutter, a guy who throws a lot of cutters, a guy with a downward swing like Carpenter has. Um, man, you know, Keuchel misses on a cutter. That ball's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, now maybe he doesn't miss on a cutter, but then, you know, that's what pitching is, right? You don't miss, you execute, you get the guy out. But the cutter is a high-risk, high-reward pitch. Um, Keiko has had, I've talked to him about this, actually, um, you know, a sinker-cutter guy. And there was a time where his cutter just cost him so dearly um, for an entire season because he just didn't have a feel for it. But he's got to rely on it. He's got to get the outs with it. And we've seen this locally with Adam Wainwright, right? He'd go into a game and throw cutters and, you know, he could come away with, you know, whatever, uh, 12 ground outs. He'd go into a game and throw cutters and they just spin up there and yeah. can't get a good feel for them. It's a high-risk, high-reward pitch because if that cutter ain't doing what you think, it becomes a really um, uh, either a really slow fastball or a really readable slider. And a guy like Carpenter, he's going to hit that out. And, and, and final thought here, because uh, inevitably everybody will do their predictions, and I don't know how much really goes into the predictions. Take your pick of whatever website and whatever newspaper does them. Some people, I'm sure, dig in, and some people just go, oh, God, we got to do the predictions. I've got to go get a million interviews and write a bunch of different stories. I'm just going to throw these things in here. But I have noticed yeah. that damn near everybody's picking the Nationals to beat the Brewers. And then, to my surprise, actually— Damn, everybody's picking the Dodgers to beat the Nationals. I feel like the Nationals are a, a live team right now with mm. with a hell of a lot of value if they can get past the coin flip against the Brewers. 
So we know that the Astros, I, I can't imagine you would think otherwise, are are the favorites, um, unless you do see otherwise. Uh, and then and then operating off of that, which was question one, question two would be, if indeed you agree with the Astros, uh, who is the team that might be flying under the radar that you think could, could uh, have the world championship or the deep run that maybe others would not likely see? I mean, I think Washington is that team with a three-headed monster. Never, That's never ignore the team that has the has the other three best pitchers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Strasburg, Corbin, uh, Scherzer, not a pretty bad group. Um, trouble in their bullpen. Doolittle's got to get right. Doolittle is the cardinal. Is you know, their Andrew Miller. Right? He's got to be right. He's got to be successful, and they got to use him. So, yeah, you know, it's it's Hummel the other day in the at the press box goes ride or die which I'd never <laughs> hear from Rick Hummel. But, I saw yeah, that. Yes. I saw that. It was written. It was written. Yes. Yeah. I think he, I think he test drove that line on me in the press box and I just cracked up. I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah no, How about the commission? Busting out ride or die. Yeah. No, I, I never thought that was in the background, but way to go, Rick. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so he, uh, and yeah, there's a lot of truth to that, and so that's where Washington is with some elements on, of their bullpen too. So I, I think, you know, they they got an interesting lineup. Um, they got, you know, and like I said, never doubt the three-headed monster that still is in play um, in the postseason. Look at what the Astros have done. Um, I am, um, I, I I really was hoping to see um, Twins Astros. I know that would have been great in the first round, five games. Two teams like that, one that has the most home, you know, just, that just absolutely hits home runs, yeah. and bombards teams, and then the other one that has the you know, most strikeouts in the game and the fewest strikeouts offensively. Um, I think uh, I think that would just be a fascinating series. I'd like to see the Twins play at the you know Minute Maid uh, Park right. with the Crawford boxes there. I think that would have been a very fascinating series that may have been more of a coin flip just because of how zany a few of those games could be. And, you know, locally, everybody in St. Louis who is around remembers that, I mean, Justin Verlander can be beat with a home run. That that does happen. Mm-hmm. And the Twins hit home runs. So yeah, there you go. Um, I just think that would have been interesting. But I think Washington, you know, I, I don't, um, you know, they did, the Cardinals against the Braves is a really interesting matchup. Um, the team that comes out of that, do they have enough to uh, take on the Nationals? Absolutely. Um, the Braves clearly do. They've been doing it all season. Um, they're, they're a team that definitely built for the long haul, and what the shorter season series does to them is fair to ask, but um, I think the Cardinals do as well. Um, the Dodgers uh, they deserve – they should they should strike fear in the other other NL teams. That I mean, you asked for is there somebody underneath um, the surface that would be a favorite? I would say that the Dodgers are not getting enough credit. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that, and I'm I'm guilty they're a of that. Monster. Yeah. And one of the reasons why they're a, they're a monster is, and I'll just give you an example here, right? So like Jock Peterson had this great September. He's a candidate for the Player of the Month where he got he played 22 games. Well, he averaged about two at-bats, two and a third at-bats during the month, all right? So you, per game, I mean, two and a third at-bats per game. Well, that, that's not because they were 10 running teams. <laughs> they weren't calling games in the seventh inning. It's because of how the Dodgers operate. 
and Jack Peterson played when the matchups were best for Jack Peterson, and he goes out and what has a 1200 OPS. And then the other guy who played when he didn't probably had an 800 OPS and that's what they do. And they will wear a team out. If they don't beat you in the first inning and hold on from there, they'll find a way to make you exhausted and beat you in the eighth inning, beat you in the ninth inning. Cardinals swept them here at Bush Stadium. Um, Cardinals have a style of game that actually sets up well against the Dodgers. But you saw a Dodgers team at in that series at Dodger Stadium. They found so many ways to win. They found so many ways to win late. They found so many ways to overcome some great starts, or at least one great start, and then go, okay, that's cute, Cardinals. You had the first seven innings. We can win the eighth and ninth. Yeah. And that, that that's, a, that's a terrific team. The uh, For those who enjoy uh, the odds, the Astros are uh, the favorite, then the Dodgers, Yankees, Braves, Cardinals, and of the wild card teams, the Nationals, have the uh, highest percentage. Was oh, that in order? To win the, yeah, yeah. Astros plus 180, Dodgers plus 260, Yankees plus 400, Braves plus 700, and then it drops down precipitously. Cardinals plus 1,200. Twins and Nationals both have the same odds to win the World Series. And the two well, long shots are the Brewers sense. and the Rays, A's in between. And the A's have won six of their last eight, I think, against the Astros. If they were able to get past the Rays, I don't know if they can put up a fight with Houston or not, but yeah. just a little fun fact with them. Uh, the A's, yeah, the A's. Bearing balance, good defense. Um, the A's and Cardinals are pretty similar in some ways. Yeah, just that, that's a team. It's totally they always do flying under the radar, and they haven't had yeah, postseason. Really, so the, like the A's like and the Nationals, if they could get there after all their postseason debacles, uh, that would be the odds on a long shot there. All right, Derek. I, I told, Here's a question. Wait, wait. Go, real, oh, good. You're, you're going to keep me. I felt bad because I told you 15 minutes. We're going on 35. Yeah, I need to. I have a point, but I do have a question for you. Go ahead, pose your query. Um, if uh, the Nationals win the wild. Postseason series win for them? No, count. I do not count that as a postseason series win. I, I respect your answer. That means you disagree with it. No, I don't. Oh, I good. Wholeheartedly. Uh, yeah, series. yeah. That that does not count as a series win. After ten years of hearing how awesome you are, win a series. <laughs> the thing is about that Dodgers National Series, if it were to happen, uh, would be that if the Nationals can take one in Los Angeles, they have Scherzer sitting there in Washington in Game Three. That's pretty. It's uh, a yeah. pretty nice situation. Pretty good, you know, good, but still win a series. Yeah, I understand. All right, Derek, you've got so much going on. I appreciate you taking what I thought was going to be 15 minutes and turned into 35. That's bad hosting on my part, but thank right. you so much. It's a good conversation. Thanks, Derek. I always enjoy it. Thanks, Derek. Yep. Have a great day. You too, man. So there it is, my conversation with Derek Gould, talking Cardinal baseball, talking Major League Baseball playoffs. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. I get into this this nerd mode in a major way during playoff baseball, not just with the card. If the Cardinals are involved, I'm watching everything and nerding out hardcore and pitch counts and pitch locations and where catchers are setting up and the shadows and all this stuff. Uh, and Derek, he makes you think. I mean, even if you go, I don't know about that, like the Flaherty thing, I just disagree with that. I understand where he's coming from. I don't think the Cardinals would have started him on short rest in game two, but who knows? I mean, Andy Van Slyke thinks they'll still start him in game one because he only threw 69 stress-free pitches against the Cubs. I don't know. I just know I want Jack Flaherty to get the ball two times against the Braves. And I, I'll tell you what I actually want. I want him to get the ball one time, and they don't need to go to game five, which would mean he'd be available for game one against the Dodgers, Nationals, or Brewers. But I always like getting feedback. Your thoughts are welcome. Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. I'm sure we'll have a lot of baseball questions for questions from the audience. Uh, so, 
Uh, send your questions as any questions welcome. It doesn't even have to be about baseball. Questions from the audience coming up in addition to Pick 6. Uh, that's the Tim McKernan Show. Subscribe to it. Thanking our sponsors, Design Air Heating and Cooling, designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit, online at landoff.com, Chevy, find new roads. And then, of course, our uh, homeloanexpert.com studios are brought to you by Ryan Kelly, online at thehomeloanexpert.com. And our guests are presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies at evergreenstl.com and James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency online at carltoninsurance.net. For Gangster Pete, for Iggy, and for our guest, Eric Gould, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network.